All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to our study in the Gospel. Did you like that? <laughs> Little Matthew McConaughey in there for everybody? Yeah. What a star. <laughs> well, we hope you're having a good day as much as we are. If not, we're going to make it good over the next few minutes because tonight we're studying a fabulous text of Scripture. Not that all of it isn't good in First John, but to me, this is really the meat of the matter. Don't you think? Uh, he's talking about loving your brother, and he's using God as our example. God is love, and this the theology in here is just thick. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I sat there, and I was reading it, and I, I got to confess, last week we told everybody to be ready to go through the end of the chapter. However, after looking at this and putting my notes together, if, if we get past verse 12, I'll be shocked. So if I, if we do, I'll buy your lunch. How's that? Oh, oh now that doesn't mean you're going to start rushing this. <laughs> I got to be careful what I say there. Right. Uh, I'm dealing with one of the more competitive people you'll ever be around right here. So, uh, but no, I think it's it's simple language, but as you said, just deep theology. Deep. And so we're in First John chapter four, and we'll begin reading now in verse seven. And just to remind you that. This is John taking us through those tests again. And and you might say that when you get to this text in particular, uh, you're getting to kind of the third wave, if you will. Uh, we talked last week about the two waves of looking at the, the moral, social, and doctrinal test uh, that we all need to be applying to our faith as well as dealing with those who may be teaching us or trying to influence us with their spiritual experiences. Uh, but now you're getting into the third wave, and, and he begins very strongly. Instead of beginning with the moral, as he's normally done, as he's go through these, he gets into the social test, and he puts a lot of emphasis on love. So you ready? Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 7, 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. All right, can I just begin with that last statement there? No one's seen God. But then he pauses and says, if we love one another, God abides in us. Is he implying then nobody's seen God, but if you want to see him, you can see him in the lives of brethren and how they treat one another? There can be some implication there. And he doesn't tell us here. He says no one has beheld God at any time. Obviously, this is God the Father sure. that we're talking about because we've had God the Son on earth. And as he tells us in his gospel, uh, that if you want to see God, just look at just me. Just look at me. So... Uh, he is the amplification of God. He's the personification of God. So in that sense, we have beheld. But yes, um, 
God is love. We're going to get back to that. Sure. And, and whatever that that term means, it's an attribute. It's a tremendous attribute, uh, like his righteousness, uh, him being beloved and, and sinless and all of these things. Love is that. But he's talking to us about love through here. And if we are loving one another, that's showing that God does abide in us. So we're being God-like. Well, it's kind of like in the Sermon on the Mount where, you know, if you want to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, love as he loves. Yes. You know, and but this is the big qualifier, I think, too. This isn't just general love. It doesn't say love is God. No. No. You'll notice it's John right. says very clearly God is, is love. love. In other words, your standard and your level of love is simply founded upon the character of who God is. Exactly. And so you begin with God, not love. And if we try to follow the character of God and become like God, and that's what he wants us to be, um, we will start to manifest those things that he is. Right. He is righteous. He is love. He is all of these things. He is gentle. And so if we are doing those things, then it's showing that obviously there's something in us that is making us be different right. than the average person. And I like the, the thought that you said. We've, again, got to define this term love. Right. This is, this is not touchy-feely. This is... Well, it's defined by the character of God. And so God's love can be love that is beyond our imagination. Yes. He, he goes to great extents to forgive. You know, as you would say, he, he his thoughts and ways are far beyond ours, uh, as Isaiah points out to us, because he's so forgiving. Uh, but he's also able to love his enemies. That, again, is hard for us. Those that even hate him, he loves for them. And then you certainly see, and it's implied here in the text, that his level of love is to such an extent he sends his only son to be the appeasement propitiation for our sins. For our own that's sins. not our standard of love. No. That's not touchy-feely, if no. you will. No, and, and so this, this love, interestingly enough, this kind of love is a commandable and a taught love. Yeah. God wants us to be as much like him as we can. So I send you, my son... You see how I am, how I want you to be. Mimic my son, and you will then love like I want you to love. And Jesus then is telling his disciples what? Just before he is crucified? You've got to love one another just like I love you. Right. And so now there's the test. And, and John is just reiterating this in this passage, and he's telling us why we're supposed to be that way, because it all emanates from God. Now, you said why, and I, I, let's focus on that for just a moment. To all of our note-takers out there, I was going through this, and that's the first thing that jumped out to me was John's explaining this is why we love like we do. Yeah. And this is why love is so important to God and his level of love is so important. And so I saw four things in here as to why John answers the why. Here's the first thing. Number one, this is what our God does. 
In other words, beloved, let us love for one another, for love is from God. God is love. This is who God is. So if you claim to know God, if you claim to be a follower of God, you need to know love is who and what he does. He is a God of love. Secondly, this is what born-again people do. He, he points out to us that those who have been born of God, they know this. Yes. They have changed. They have buried the old man, as Paul would say in Romans 6, and a new man has risen from that selfish grave and that grave of death. And now the new man living in a new way, this is the way we love. The, the word know here is kind of a good word study in verse 8. Uh, anyone who does not love does not know God. And even at the end of verse 7, those who are born of God know God. The word know in the Greek here is a Greek word, gnosko, which means they've come to learn it by experience. It's not by feeling. It comes through knowledge and experience and understanding. Does that make sense? I think that's what, what he's saying. So, number one, why do we love like we do? Because it's what God does. Number two, this is what born-again people do. And then number three... We love like this because, more importantly, this is how God loves. And so he goes back, I, I kind of think in verse 9, isn't he taking us back to his gospel? Yes. You know, this is John 3.16. You know, if I'm going to, John says, I'm going to plagiarize myself here. Yeah. I'm going to lift this from my own gospel. Uh, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him, and this is his form of love. Uh, propitiation. How do you define propitiation? I said just a moment of appeasement. So I think it, it? It, it's, it, it is the sacrifice mm -hmm. that appeases God. It is the thing uh, that God wants to set sin aside because some significant sacrifice has to be done. The whole Old Testament uh, shows us about sacrificial um, animals that then appease God for that moment for the sins of those individuals. So the ultimate sacrifice is Christ. He is the ultimate. He was the perfect sacrifice. And now then he becomes our appeasement for God to quiet down his wrath against mankind. And you see this twice in the letter. Uh, we go back to 1 John 2, verse 2. John has already mentioned appeasement when he talked about our Lord being an advocate for us. Well, what qualifies him as being our advocate, our defender? Well, verse 2 of 1 John 2, he's the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only. Not just for the family of Christ or for Christians, or even if he's losing it in the context of Israel, no, but for the whole world. Yes. And again, that reminds us of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Well, first, uh, first uh, Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians five says that Christ died for all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, see if people take that out of context and say that's it. So Christ died for all, so all should be saved. Yeah, we're done. Uh, we're done. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Don't take that out of context. But he goes on then to say those who then do what he wants us to do we then have the ability to become children or sons of God. And so that's what we have to understand when he is a propitiation. He died for all, but then we have to do some things to come in contact with that death. Right. And now be in favor of the fact that God favors us because we've done what he's asked us to do. But 
Bottom line is Jesus had to die and sacrifice and shed his blood for all mankind. Right, and that's why John, when John saw him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. He saw him for who he was, the propitiation, the sacrifice uh, for all of us. And then actually a little later uh, in this same chapter in verse 14, uh, John's just going to mention that Jesus is the Savior uh, of the world. So uh, just getting back to my list real quick. Number one, why do we love like we do or why should we love as God loves? Number one, because God is love. This is who and what God does. Number two, we're born-again people, and this is what born-again people do. Number three, this is the level in which God loves with his son and the propitiation. But the fourth point I think John's making to us, why do we love like this? Why should we really put such emphasis on this social test? Because the love of God can actually be seen in us, that we can become his represent, representation, and, and, and we can be those who show love to the world. Can we go back to verse 12 again where we began uh, our discussion? No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And in his love, it is perfected in us. That's an amazing thought. That, that his love can be perfected in us and shown in us, revealed in us. And boy, doesn't the world need to see God's love? You know, let us be the ones. Here, here am I, Lord, send me. But it's not easy. Perfected also has the term complete okay. with it. And how does God's love be completed? Seeing a changed people. Right. The world, there is so much evidence around us of how evil the world is. And then seeing God's love in those who follow him is such a dark, or it's a it's great stra- contrast. Yeah, stark contrast. It's stark yeah. contrast of the world versus those who love God. And God has loved them, and we have accepted that love uh, and become as much as we can like him. And that is now completing us uh, in being the people that he wants us to be. Speaking of the love, this love comes with a great price. Uh, and and I, I can only imagine that John's speaking to all of us to remind us that the price the Lord paid for love was giving up his only son, uh, someone very precious to him. I, I'm also reminded, too, there's some apologetics here. I don't want to get chasing yeah. a rabbit, but, boy, I think this takes us back to Abraham with the revealing of the great plan. If you go back to why did God demand Abraham take yeah. his son, his only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him? Because ultimately that's what God was going to do. You know, that unimaginable uh, level of faith and love. Well, that's what God has done. And I, I think one of the things in, that we had to be very careful of, we don't want to cheapen this love. I was going to say just that. It's God, it's Jesus, and so do we take it too casual sometimes? This is just God, mm-hmm. and God demanded this of us, and God can do that, and human nature, we could never do that, and that's what he's trying to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you will not take your son out and sacrifice him. Well, give that to me. Right. Give that to me. My only begotten, I was willing to do that for you for that propitiation which I demand, which is a perfect sacrifice. I showed you through the Old Testament that that's what I wanted, that's what I needed, 
and now I've done it for you, but we can't take that casually. We just can't take that as just something nominal. Well, God decided to do that, so we did it. That's We've got to accept that from the standpoint, this is God sacrificing his son. And love is the basis of not that we came up with it or we figured it no. out. He loved us first. And, and so what that means is if our Lord is making this kind of sacrificial effort to reach out, boy, look at how he's reached out to us. And why did Jesus die? Because of us. You, you know, there, there should be a, a humility that makes us simply fall before our Lord and then desire to live for our Lord. You know, uh, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Well, what better way to show he lives in us than to show his kind of love? Uh, do you see John trying to get our attention with two beloveds here? Oh, yes. He beloveded us twice in just this text. Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting. You think of that word beloved, it's simply an acknowledgement. You're loved. Do you realize that? And do you realize how much you're loved in the price of that love? You know, Let, Let's just go back to creation just for a moment. And I want to do that from the standpoint that God made us. Okay. God saw his creation. It is good. It is good. It is good. Man was very good. He made us. And it's interesting that he made us in such a way that we were free moral agents. Think about that. He could have made us robots, but he made us free moral agents, and what do we do as human beings? Quickly go out and sin. What was he thinking? And, and, <laughs> and so my point is, even from the beginning, he continued to love us, mankind. Quickly we turned against him and his righteousness and what he wanted us to do, and in fact destroyed in the sixth generation, uh, the earth, except for eight sure. souls. But through all of that, he continued to love mankind to the point that he put up with the Israelites for 1,500 years right. in all of their sinfulness and finally had to show them uh, and then did some things to them and put them into captivity. But he loved them on that whole time. And he still saved a remnant to have his son come to us finally for the entire world to be saved if we would just accept it. And it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, how many times has the Lord's heart been broken? Yes, it uh, continues it, to be broken, yeah. yet he sacrificed his son for us. Adam and Eve, why are you hiding from me? <laughs> That's right. Uh, in the days of Noah, it says he was grieved. Yes. You know, we, we find that he tells us, he's I'm a jealous God, you're yes. breaking my heart. He says that over and over again to Israel. And then you see Jesus crying, yes. oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, you're breaking my heart and you're, you're going to kill me, but yet what you mean for evil God's going to do it for good. But he still loves mankind. We are his creation. You know, one of the things that boggles my mind is how many times Jesus had to emphasize this, even to his disciples, and I'm thinking specifically of Peter. So how many times should we have to forgive? <laughs> so are you really asking me that question? That's right. 
Are you really, you know, and, and I don't think his answer was to put a quantitative. Right. I'm 489. You got one more. You got one more. You're 489. You know, seven times. I, I, I think the point is, well, it's infinity. Yes. It's, you love as God loves. And now it's, again, not a reckless love. No. That endangers somebody not. else. You know. Obviously it's not. But it is, it is a love that the world really doesn't see, and but yet should see, especially in Christians. And if you get back to the context, now let's just get back to the specific context in which John is writing here. This is apparently not the attitude of the Gnostics and the others exactly. in the way brethren are treating each other in this day and age. And be careful, brethren, that you don't fall into that way of the Gnostics and not begin to love each other as God expects we, I think we can use that term. It's not only God wants, God expects, expects, he expects us this, level, this of level of love. And so if we take agape casually, again, I use that term, amongst ourselves today, taking it very casually, be careful. God expects us to love. He's given you an example of love. Oops, that's him giving his son and his son dying for us. And that's his level of love, where is our level of love? John says in 1 John 3, well, we're supposed to be able to lay down our lives one another, but I'll give you something a little more practical. If you see somebody who is in need of world's goods, clothing, shelter, whatever, how are you doing with yeah. that? It doesn't always have to be the massive no, items. No. How are you doing with it? Yeah. Or somebody, they said something that might have been insulting to you. That's Forgive right. them. Exactly. Don't carry the burden. Don't carry the if grudge. Somebody, Give them the benefit of the if doubt. If somebody says something that can be taken two or three different ways, and that just hit me right between the eyes because I'm going to take it badly, number one, you're not giving the, the one who said it any benefit of the yeah. doubt. It's now me, me, me is being uh, served here. That is not God's love. What is it? Love. I think there's a passage about love, isn't there? Uh, love. Believes all things, yeah, hopes, hopes all, all things, things, endures all things, you, you, love you, never fails. Yeah, if you want a definition of love that the apostle gave us, which would then be a very good definition that Jesus and God would give us, read 1 John 13. It tells you, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that will tell you what love is. And it shouldn't surprise us that the word love here in the text is agapeo. Yes. Agapeo, that self-sacrificing love. All right, let's close it out with this. I, I'm going to give my thoughts, then I'll let you have yours. Beloved, you're so loved. We are so loved. Love one another. Love one another, for love is from God. Beloved, beloved, you're so loved. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's the admonition. This whole context of verses 7, which will be through verse 21, is us loving one another. That is the context. And then he goes into great detail showing God and his love, and that's how we should be loving one another. And oh, by the way, I'll give you a great deal of theology in this passage as I go through here telling you how you to love one another. If I'm going to be a little more practical, i.e., in English there is syntax, and you hear sometimes... Uh, words will give you who, what, when, where, and why, mm -hmm. and to what extent. 
John has done that in this passage about God. Yeah, I would. That's a good point. Every one of, where, when, high, why, whatever you want whatever, to come up with. What, what, what extent he does it to God here in love answers every one of those. Yeah, and it's right there. Good thoughts. You did good. Thank you. So this means if this didn't record, he's going to still be nice to me because God told him to love me. <laughs> That's what this means. Yeah. If I if we come back next, and I'll be I'll go to respond. And right now at this moment, I'm trying to remember if I hit record. I sure hope I did. We'll find out in a moment. Yes, we will. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We received a lot of nice comments from last week's lesson. Thank you so much. And we appreciate everybody's insight. And we're also very excited here. We've uh, made some changes with respect to protocol. And we just appreciate everybody's uh, eagerness to get back together. And Lord willing, we're going to have one assembly here at the building on a Sunday in the not too too distant future. I am looking forward to seeing happy Faces. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everybody's right. faces together. Yes. All right. Anything else? That's it. Okay. Well, thank you so very much for joining us. And I'll leave you with this thought. God loves you. We love you. And may we show the world that love every single day. God bless. Good night, brethren. <laughs>